one of us always has to be here now. So I always have to be home? What if I don't want to be doing tech support for five more years? We'll be 40 in five years. Well, 40 is basically 50, and then after 50, the rest is just loose change. Loose change? Like, not quite enough to get anything you really want. Oh, God. So for all practical purposes, in a month, that's it for us. But I always thought I'd be smarter. I also thought eventually we'd be rich. Welcome to Generation Loss. This is Bryn, and that is Jeremy, and this is the show about movies. And it's the show about movies. (laughs) Yeah, we did it. That's what it is. (laughs) And I think you know that, by the way. I think you know it's the show about movies. I don't know why you feel like we have to hold your hand through this. Yeah, why do uh... we need to explain this to you every time? (laughs) Do I need to, every single time, I need to spell it out for you. It's the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. it's it's getting a little exhausting, and I (laughs) I think you need to wise up. It's starting uh, to make this relationship feel a little toxic, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah, I feel a little gaslit by the audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're pretending like I haven't told them hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. That this it is, is the, the show about movies. show about movies <laughs> <laughs> with Britt and Jeremy. How much clearer do we need to make that premise? I don't, I really don't understand how much clearer I need to make it. Um, so, <laughs> so thank you for listening to us talk about movies. Uh, it is post Thanksgiving, so I'm yeah. assuming that we all now have contracted the virus. <laughs> we all have the coronavirus. <laughs> As yeah, yes, we all went home and breathed in our mother's faces, yeah, and we kissed our grandmas on the mouth. Did funny like we we went home and and you know who could have known that such a such a thing would be you know. A, reg- a regrettable impression that you were doing at home where you're like, look, mom, uh, like on the old maps, I'm the wind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old man wind. <laughs> I'm a big, look, I'm billowy, the fat dark face cloud. guy in the bottom corner of a map. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I'm, you're from Super Mario Brothers. I'm Birdo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, give me an it. egg. I'm gonna spit it into your mouth. <laughs> you have to pick it up and throw it back at my face. <laughs> anyway, nobody could have possibly known that our Birdo and Map Wind impressions <laughs> would have been ill-advised. But now we all have coronavirus. Yeah, now we are all sick. Um, it's funny how but no it, one I know in like the media scene has had it, or at least been out about it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, nobody. Think- I mean. Who knows, though? Like, do you think that people would have like hit it? Like, I don't. Oh, um, you know what I mean. Like, just like, oh, I didn't do my podcast for two weeks for no. It depends reason. on the podcast. It depends on the podcast. I think that's true. Um, I think if it's a more serious one, I could totally see them not saying anything about it. Mm-hmm. I think if 
part of your podcast is about like your ego and like your character and whatever. Like, I think there's certain podcasters who will remain nameless who I could completely <laughs> believe uh, would not say anything about it. However, on the other hand, if you are in any form of an irony podcast, 100% you're joking about it all the goddamn time. You kidding? If I had yeah. COVID, we'd have been joking about it so much. <laughs> Yeah, like, haha, Jeremy's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would hope that everybody would roast me for getting it. <laughs> <laughs> he got COVID. <laughs> well, I mean, you wouldn't have been able to help it, unfortunately. But uh, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, because what if what if I'd been going back and forth to the hospital all this time to visit Nico, and yeah. then I came home and like the one I just went to the bodega. And yeah. I was like, I was watching one of those baking shows and they did a cotton candy themed cupcake. And I was like, I haven't had cotton candy in a long time. <laughs> Damn, I really need cotton candy. I wonder right if now. they have it at the bodega. No, they don't have it at the bodega. It's cotton candy. <laughs> <laughs> they only serve it at Yankees games in the zoo. <laughs> Although you do remember they used to have cotton candy in a bag and it sucked. It was like, it would That's, get really dense. Right. That's just like a brick of sugar. Yeah. What's the point? It's not. You can like, like lick and it disappears. I guess you're supposed to like fluff it a little bit with your hands before you eat it. <laughs> like a raccoon. Yeah, like tease it out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, as far as I know, neither of us have had COVID. Yeah. Uh, but we will tell you if we do. I hope none of you people have it uh, or gave it to anybody over Thanksgiving. But anyway, what did you watch this week? Well, Bryn, thank you for asking. You're welcome. I watched the um, I watched the Netflix original film, um, "Hillbilly Elegy," starring oh, no. Amy Adams and Glenn Close. <laughs> I'd forgotten that you watched that. <laughs> directed and produced by Ron Howard. No. <laughs> Screenplay by Vanessa Taylor. What did she do? Probably something bad. Let's see. Best known for Hope Springs. I don't know what that is. That is a uh, romantic comedy with, um, looks like Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> and Meryl Streep. Yikes. <laughs> Who's that for, huh? So I was just thinking, like, Ron Howard, I was like, has Ron Howard ever made a good movie? Um, and he directed Splash. Did you know that? With Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah? Yes, I did know that because I had uh, no idea. we just read a thing about it for Ballin' Out for some stupid reason. Oh. Um, no, he made, um, there was something on his list that I liked. I like him in Happy Days. Sure, but he's an actor in that. I like him in um, uh, Arrested Development. Arrested he's a very good narrator <laughs> in that. He's actually probably mm-hmm. the best part of that show. He's um, funny, yeah. Oh, he made Frost Nixon. I like Frost Nixon. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, he did uh, A Beautiful Mind, which oh, I liked Jim when Carrey I was Grinch. in high school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cinderella Man, which I also liked when I was in high school, but it's probably right. bad. Oh, my God. He did The Da Vinci Code, which is unbearable. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he's been on a bit of a tear directing very <laughs> bad movies recently. Yeah, he makes, he makes schlock. He makes, well, he makes like popcorn schlock. He's like mm-hmm. a Spielberg, you know. He, uh, although I guess like people would come at me for for that take on Spielberg, but I do think that Spielberg largely is uh, trash. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's true. Anyway, so Weird Hillbilly Elegy <laughs> uh, is the based on a true story uh, movie of a young man named J.D. Vance. <laughs> yeah, J.D. Vance. 
uh, cool guy worked for the Brookings Institute. Oh, did he? Oh, dude, <laughs> it goes so far. <laughs> uh, that makes it so much funnier. Um, so it tells the story of J.D. Vance growing up in um, Kentucky. rural Ohio, I think. Oh, right. Because he's the whole thing is about how he's like was from the Appalachia and he like spent the summer with his cousins, right? He at the very beginning they he spends the summer in Kentucky, and then uh, they kind of make it seem like it's going to be the movie is like in Kentucky. Yeah. Like they kind of make it seem like oh something bad's going to happen and he's going to have to move to Kentucky or something like that. No, it's just it, they're in Kentucky for a scene and then you never see it again and it's not really important. But really? they go to uh, Ohio where they live, and um, it's it's the story is like it's it's told in an interesting way. I'll give it that. Um, I imagine the book is probably pretty linear. Okay. Um, this is like a very chopped up non-linear sort of thing where we like check in on him as a kid and then we check in on him as an adult. And the two stories that run counter to one another are like, they're happening in their own chronological order. So there is like each one of them has their own arc where it's like beginning, middle end, beginning, middle end. And they don't necessarily relate to one another a whole hell of a lot, (laughs) except to be like, you know, here's why my mom is important to me. And it's like, yeah, of course your mom is important to you. (laughs) Everyone's mom is important to them. Do we need a whole movie to tell us why your mom's important? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so the story is that like he grows up in Ohio and uh, he's got this uh, psychotic mother and only slightly psychotic grandmother. And um, he grows up poor and then he goes to Yale and he becomes a lawyer. And Damn. so the the A plot is him at Yale and he like has to wow some people for a summer internship and um, <laughs> he's really worried about it. And then like he finds out that his mom overdosed and he has to go back to Ohio to take care of her and then he has to get back in time to go to his interview for his job. <laughs> As a as a lawyer as an intern as a lawyer intern yeah oh uh, and God. at the end they, they we do not know if he gets the job and in fact I think he doesn't because really? the note at the end does not say anything about it but uh, then um, yeah the the B plot is him in the past and it's just about him kind of growing up and his mom fucking up and then his grandma taking over uh, raising him okay and um, fascinating film I must say. Uh, Terrible garbage, absolute <laughs> schlock writing. Um, held up by pretty okay acting. Sure, I mean like everybody in it is doing a really great job. Glenn Close, in particular, is doing a really fantastic job. But what's really interesting, even further than that, another mm-hmm. wrinkle to add to it is that all of that acting is then brought way back down again by like some of the most god awful um, set design, and even really? worse. Some of the absolute worst costuming I've ever seen in my life. Glenn Close (laughs) looks insane in this movie. She looks like fucking... Do you remember like the old commercials for the Ringling Brothers Circus? And they had, uh, for a while, their main clown, their famous clown was uh, Grandma the Clown. I do remember this. And she does look like that. (laughs) She'd be looking like Grandma the Clown. She looks insane in this movie. (laughs) And like the faces that they make her make, it would be like... I know we, you know, we we've treaded we've treaded in in you know less 
than delicate ways on on this idea before, but it does feel a little bit like hillbilly minstrel. Like it feels like yeah, really yeah. offensive the way that she's like, <laughs> she, like the mugging that she's doing, the weird faces that she makes, like gawking at stuff, and like this <laughs> the the JD Vance character. Like they literally just take a scene from Titanic. By the way, they just what? fully wholesale just ripped a scene straight off where he's at a dinner. He's at a dinner with lawyers, and uh, you know somebody comes around and they're like, "Would you like?" white wine or red and he's like white please and they're like chardonnay or pinot grigio and he's like i don't know what that means but then the scene that he steals is that he's then at the dinner table he's looking at all the forks and the knives and whatever he's like i don't know what to do with all of these and he calls his girlfriend who's like a well-to-do indian girl and she's like um she's like start from the outside work your way in. You're like that's literally the same thing why Mm -hmm. even put that in the movie it's not like it's not valuable information. Nobody's ever really going to call you out for using the wrong fork. Yeah, no one gives a shit. Nobody cares. Um, no one knows what to do with the, the forks. Um, and then there's all this like really funny shit in it where like... Um, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is uh, JD is like talking to his girlfriend about uh, this Yale meeting that he's at. that the, the dinner where he humiliates himself because somebody's like, Somebody says some weird shit about like when you go back to visit your family, you must feel like you're like in outer space. Like, who are all these hillbillies? And he's like, No, actually, I love my family. <laughs> and everyone's like, Damn, you, you fucking asshole. <laughs> Everyone hates that. But, uh, but he's telling his girlfriend about it later. And he's like, He's like, I felt like a fucking alien. Like, everybody could tell that I didn't belong and like that everybody was looking at me all weird and like you know they were like you couldn't possibly understand what that feels like and she's like i am an indian immigrant (laughs) (laughs) by the way (laughs) just a quick reminder i am an indian immigrant (laughs) did she say that she says something like oh that's how my mother must have felt when she came here or no, no 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 you know what it was there's another scene later where they they tie this together again What's funny is that she's always there to support, to be like, it. it's like you're a person of color, J.D. Yeah. <laughs> you're poor and from a different area of the United States. Yeah, it's like they're trying to like launder this thing. idea of of like uh, of the white working class being, you know, the same as an ethnic minority. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so there's a scene later where he's telling her about his like family story where he's like, he's like, you know, that my family's from Kentucky, but we live in Ohio. And it's because my grandparents they just picked up and left and they had like nothing. They had nothing with them. They just got in the car and they just drove to Ohio, had no idea, you know, if anything was going to be okay when they got there, they just did it because they had the courage to try to make a better life for their kid. You know, you couldn't possibly understand this courage. <laughs> She's like, again, Indian immigrant. Yeah, actual immigrant, I would say. I didn't move from Kentucky to Ohio. Who gives a shit? It's not even that far. It's on the you same You speak coast. a different language than the one I heard growing up. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, very stupid movie. And I mean, the thing about that movie... I. I Okay, wait, why did you watch this movie? <laughs> oh, I didn't know anything about it, and um, my uh, father-in-law had recommended it. He was like, I saw it, and it was uh, very nice. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he's like a dad. He's got, like, dad taste, and he's, just, like, he's like, it was yeah. a very inspiring story about somebody who, who made it, you know, to be a lawyer. Okay, that's really interesting. I think though. that's just how he saw it. Because <laughs> I kind of... 
I mean, I've I don't think only, you dug any deeper. <laughs> I've only heard, like, really only heard about this movie because of, like, the Trillbillies. Mm-hmm. The Trillbillies have been talking about this guy, J.D. Vance, since the book came out in, like, 2016. Oh, okay. So I, like, knew about it, and they've just been like, fuck this movie, fuck this guy forever, because he's, like, this guy who spent, like, a summer in Kentucky and was like, I'm the hillbilly whisperer, <laughs> you know? And he, like, oh, yeah. he grew up and went to Yale and then, like, worked for the Brookings Institute and, like, <laughs> you know, is this right-wing, like, neocon freak who's just, like, people don't deserve uh, handouts or whatever. <laughs> like, this is all thing. Because um, it's so funny, too, because they, they make such a point all the time of being like, we are hill people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's a really scene where, that. like, somebody dies and, like, all these people come out of the shops as they're, like, driving past in their, you know, funeral parade or whatever they call it. And all these people are coming past and, like, taking their hats off and covering their hearts. And JD, as a kid, is like, why are they doing that, Grandma? And she's like, because we are hill people. <laughs> and we respect our dead. Oh, my God. This that's is really so bizarre. <laughs> um, oh, but there is a really great scene. So one of the things that's really funny about it is that, like, it's clearly trying to tell the story of, like, of, like, wow, this guy, like, overcame poverty and, like, he you know became a lawyer and like we can all do it if we work hard enough and like we pull ourselves <laughs> up by our bootstraps and whatever and it's like yeah part of telling that sort of story is you have to be relatable in the first half mm-hmm. you know to get you to get you to suspend your disbelief of your own material condition whatever to make you think like oh maybe i could be yale boy you know you have <laughs> to believe the first part and the first part of this is so insane because it's like it, it <laughs> They're trying to pass it off as like, hey, Southerners, you know how you know how your mom always be like pulling the car over to beat the shit out of you and then throw you <laughs> out of the car and then you have to run into the neighbor's house and they call the cops and then the cops come and your mom's getting arrested and then you have to like lie for her because your grandma said you have to have honor. And you're no, like, yeah, you know I that. guess I do know what that's like. <laughs> There's a fucking scene where the grandma just like sets the grandpa on fire. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? He's like drunk on the couch, and I guess like they're trying to suggest that like something bad had happened in their history or whatever, and she just sets him on fucking fire. <laughs> That's insane. I've spent probably just as much time in Pikeville, Kentucky, as this guy has. Like I've spent multiple Christmases in that place, and they're not fucking frowning all the time yeah <laughs> it's normal ass people going to church and yeah just doing normal shit, shit you know <laughs> yeah eat. working at the gap or whatever yeah, eating dinner and stuff <laughs> that's why they have the kentucky scene in the beginning by the way i'm now realizing is that it's like it it's because uh, i mean we know that there's like rural hillbilly life in like all over the country every state has this type of culture in it yeah but like kentucky and alabama and whatever are like the only places that you really associate with it and so it almost has to like build the credibility at the beginning to be like i know this story is going to take place in ohio and you do not think of ohio this way trust me i've been to kentucky <laughs> <laughs> it's the same actually <laughs> i mean is it though like <laughs> is it even kind of the same in ohio i've never uh, been I, to ohio i've been to kentucky <laughs> oh i've never been to kentucky i have been to ohio i mean it's like uh you know everywhere has like rural areas that have like this particular brand of like rural poverty that's seen in the movie like it's not unbelievable the condition he lives in what's unbelievable is that he's trying to pass off his clearly psychotic mother as like a normal ass thing that like hillbillies would relate to <laughs> <laughs> 
His mother yeah. clearly has like a personality disorder and is trying to actively murder him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing with this kind of stuff is like every time you see poverty, it's always like absolute freaks and like constant pain. You yeah. know what I mean? Like movies are never just like, there's people who live you know, in a trailer and it's normal and fine. And most of their life is just regular. Right. Like it's always like, we're all like, yeah, like barely containing our sorrow, you know, right. of like, I'm dry. I'm getting in my fucking 1980s pickup truck and I'm angrily putting my gun in it <laughs> and like driving to my job at the steel mill where I'd want to spit in everyone's face. And it's like, yeah. sure. I'm sure sometimes you have bad days or whatever, but like you probably are like, I'm excited to watch football with my friends and then go mud yeah. and shoot a deer or whatever. And it's like, or whatever, <laughs> like spend time with your kid or just like have a boring day at home. Like yeah, everybody has Netflix. normal days for the most part, <laughs> which I get is not like a movie. Right. Uh, but still, if you're going to make a movie about poverty, you should like know what goes on at all. Like what mm -hmm. like the pastimes are or like how people act. Uh, and this just always like this whole thing, this J.D. Vance character just always felt like it's so obviously a political ploy to just be like right. these poor people are fucking in pain. And if they if they just tried, they could you know join the you ivy tower Yale, yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah exactly it's fucking insane ridiculous um <laughs> shit there was one more thing i wanted to say but i don't remember now oh no oh well what did you watch uh i watched a movie that i was pleasantly surprised by called bad trip uh this that's was, um the kate mckinnon thing no no that's girls trip i think Mm. Or wait, I don't know what that is. I don't know what you're thinking of. But this movie is Eric Andre. <laughs> uh, it stars Eric Andre and then Little Ray from uh, Get Out, um, the the best friend in Get Out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh -huh. it also has um, Tiffany Haddish. Um, and it's produced by Jeff Tremaine, who directed mm -hmm. all the the Jackass movies, and he's in a couple of the bloopers. Uh, it's directed by. Uh, the guy who directs all of the Eric Andre show. And this is a movie that was supposed to come out this summer in theaters, but like basically got pushed back and barely released because of COVID. Um, but this is the first movie that I've been like, damn, I would have loved to seen this in the theater. Right. Um, was it really funny? Is it like, it's, a, it's hilarious. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this movie is um, the conceit of the movie is basically the same as uh uh, bad grandpa okay. where it's a movie that's so unlike bad grandpa which is a series of like strung together stunts this is a movie that is filmed in public okay like there's almost no scene in the movie that isn't a stunt if that makes sense like yeah no i was wondering about that because <laughs> the idea of like a scripted eric andre movie is like not really appealing to me so i'm curious like <laughs> right because so it's like it begins and he's working at like a uh he keeps getting fired so the first couple like scenes of the movies are him working at different places like getting another job 
um, but he's working in real places and then like something bad happens to him. To, but right. It's like real people who are in the places. So he's like working at an orange, like a smoothie store. And then mm. he like fucks up and it's like his hand is like being like eaten by a bl- blender kind of thing, you know? Okay. And like, so it's like real people reacting to that kind of thing. And it's like it, all hidden cameras. Yeah, it's all hidden cameras. <laughs> so the whole movie is like. Probably well, looks like complete shit. It doesn't look great but you kind of forget that it's hidden cameras um that i don't know it seems like pretty nice cameras i don't i really don't know how they're doing some of this stuff like there's a scene in the movie where they like he gets raped by a gorilla <laughs> in a zoo <laughs> okay and people are just wa- like freaking out watching this happen <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so the story basically is that, uh, Tara, uh, Lil Ray Howard, um, his best friend is like a nerd and a, and a coward. And he's afraid of his, his insane sister who is like in and out of prison. And, uh, she's like always demanding all these things from him that he like, she pay he paid for, for the parking for her car and like, you know, make, give her all kinds of money and stuff. And so he falls in, he's like, this girl from high school, I just, you know, saw again for the first time, and I'm going to go all the way to Los Angeles. It's like a road trip movie to like, okay, express my love to this girl. So you should steal your sister's car and we'll go. So it's basically a road trip movie where they go to, you know, meet, go this girl's art gallery. Oh, no, they go to New York um, mm-hmm. fr- from like Miami or something. Does it, um, does it feel like the story is like, strung together well yeah so what's weird about it is uh every scene is so remarkably crafted because it like tells the part of the story that it needs to for the movie because it's like the the plot is bullshit right like the plot is we're going on a road trip to tell this girl i love her this girl i barely know and then I mean, the story doesn't matter, so I'm going to spoil it. At the end, she's like, what the fuck? I barely know you. Why would you do this? <laughs> um, and then he's like, oh, no, I, why would I think that? Um, and so it's all in service of being funny more than anything. Right. But it's like it's more like the story is an excuse to have situations. Um, so, like, there's a scene where uh, the, the sister, Tiffany Haddish, is in prison Uh, And then she escapes from prison so that she can be chasing them. Right. Right. Uh, So that scene is literally on a a random guy (laughs) who's like doing construction work or he's like putting up wheat paste and she like drops out of a underneath a car and is like, hide me. You got to hide me. (laughs) (laughs) And he's and he's like, what what are you talking about? She's like, give me your vest. Give me your vest. He's like, I can't give you my vest. (laughs) and she's like okay well uh and like it's just like a prank but it like the the idea is that she's breaking out of prison and then like a fake cop comes up to him and is like did you see anybody uh like a girl with like braids and like he's like uh nope i haven't seen anything (laughs) Um, so there's like all of these scenes where there's a bunch of non-actors like being the story i guess like that's kind of the scene i wonder Uh, what it was like to like write this because you probably had to like you probably have to like map out what the what the general story is and like realistically you probably just have like a couple of these stunts that you really really want to do there's like a couple of big ones right probably right. and 
the rest of it is like, okay, so how do we get from this one to this one to this one? And then you just start filling in the little spaces with like little pranks. Like that's such a good example too, <laughs> because it's like such a meaningless one that like, if it was on its own, you'd be like, all right, who cares? Right. Well, that's what's so interesting about it is that the big, like there are, there are like three or four like big set pieces where they like crash a car, like mm-hmm. a, a huge, like in real life, Michael Bay explosion happens, but there's like a group of just like black teenagers being like, are you guys okay? You know, like, uh, <laughs> um, but what's great about it. And I think what's some of the funniest stuff in the movie is like, like there's a, the, one of the biggest laughs or the biggest funny scene is like the people, right? Cause it's not really like those big like set piece scenes aren't really the draw for me. Mm-hmm. The best parts of the movie are like, there's a scene where they go to a diner and uh, I can't remember, I can't remember why they're in a diner, but they're like asking about Tiffany Haddish and they're like, mm-hmm. have you seen this person? And they're like, no, we've never seen her. And they're just asking everybody in the diner. Uh, and it's funny for some reason they leave and then Tiffany Haddish comes in and uh, she's like, have you seen these assholes? And they're like, yeah, we've all, <laughs> we've all seen them. And they were just here. And like the the way they're like so excited for her to like kill them. Because <laughs> 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 they're like admitting that they stole and destroyed her car to the, right. to the audience, to the, all this group of people. <laughs> and then Tiffany Haddish is just like, I'm going to kill these motherfuckers. And like all these people are like, yes, get her. <laughs> <laughs> And so it just becomes this really like energetic movie. It doesn't like has no story, but it's all very, very funny. Um, Damn. I got to check this out. This sounds fucking fantastic. It's on I Netflix. Thought, I don't know. I, I don't know where I watched it. I watched it on TV. <laughs> uh, but um, it says it was accidentally released on Amazon Prime Video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It was leaked. <laughs> Uh, it was later sold to Netflix, which will release it on a yet to be determined date. So oh. you have the you have the leaked <laughs> version from Amazon Prime. Oh I my suppose. god, are we gonna get in trouble for me reviewing the movie? <laughs> Am I under embargo? Damn, I hope so. Oh man, we're gonna get sued. But anyway, uh, I don't know how to see it. I know it's on streaming service. I know it's on uh, torrent sites, obviously. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> Yo, put that up on the Plex. (laughs) Okay, I will. Uh, (laughs) Nobody asked me for the Plex, by the way. Yeah, you don't get access to (laughs) the Plex. It's for just me and Jeremy. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's uh, it was probably. I I think it was like a a, an honorable heir to the like the Jackass legacy, where it's like I feel like Bad Grandpa kind of was really. They tried something really interesting, which I think this movie. But it failed, and I think this movie like really did a great job of like because the because the the pranks aren't like insane, you know. I feel like mm-hmm. what what Bad Grandpa tried to do was like people they thought that like everyone needs to see Johnny Knoxville like do something physically crazy, right? Um, like fall through a glass window or something. And the Bad Grandpa character, I always never thought was one of the strongest characters in Jackass. So it just mm-hmm. felt sort of disjointed, and it's only him. Um, and the little kid is, you know, whatever. So I feel like the elements weren't quite right. But this movie is three really incredible actors. Also, Tiffany Haddish is a very popular actress, and yeah. no one recognizes her. That's crazy. Uh, she's just, like, incredible in this movie, because she's playing this, like, very... Um, 
I don't know how to. It's, she's very street, I guess. I don't know how to mm-hmm. say it without sounding whatever she would say. I don't. Know. <laughs> she's playing this very intense character, um, right? And it's really interesting to see people kind of suspect because they leave in scenes where people like are kind of like, "Is this a joke?" <laughs> you know, right. like. Well, I wonder if like to some extent it's like you're in a fight or flight situation when somebody's really intimidating. Yeah. And if you're really intimidating around somebody, like, are they, are you going to be like, by the way, are you Tiffany Haddish? <laughs> this doesn't yeah. seem worth it. It's no. not worth it. <laughs> yeah. So I think they, they did a really good job. And there's a couple of really, really funny scenes where like Tim, or excuse me, not Tim and Eric, uh, Eric Andre uh, almost gets killed <laughs> by like people that they're, they're pranking. Um, right and i think that's i think what what really works about this is that like if you're a fan of are you a fan of eric andre's show i like it okay i've seen it a few times i've never really gotten too deep into it but i do like it it's funny i've always felt like it's a little too intense and it's like hard to take Mm -hmm. a lot of it at once um but uh i i think his brand of man on the street stuff works a lot better for this because it's sort of like there's a scene where he just quits his job you know and like they had to figure out how to make that a prank um but they it just like the scene is quit his job and that's it um and he's just weird and so it's funny (laughs) um so i think it really works i think they did a really good job and i was surprised to see a movie like that uh function that way uh, yeah, I'm excited like, to see it. Yeah, so I check it out. Um, but whenever uh, you can, I suppose. Yeah, I'll I'll put it up tonight. Um, <laughs> not for you again. Not for you, for me <laughs> and Jeremy. <laughs> but yeah, so check out Bad Trip. It, if uh, if you can't get it, uh, it's coming out soon. It seems. Oh, dude, wouldn't that be so funny if we did an episode on it? <laughs> <laughs> like but before after talk- it comes out. <laughs> We could. We could do it. Like next we week. do an episode on it like next week. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has to just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious to hear what you say. So you should just we should talk about it again when you see it. Yes, definitely. Um, okay, cool. So this week we watched Brin the future. Pick. The My future. <laughs> uh, this is from 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh directed by Miranda July. Um it's also her written second, by Miranda July. Also written and starring Miranda July. Um, yeah, so this is a movie. I, I, I've got to ask right off the top. I have no idea what you're going to think about this movie because uh-huh. I saw it when I was, you know, in the, 10 years ago. And yeah. I really liked it. Um, and every it time, and No, no, I've seen it a couple times since. But the thing about this movie is that it's a very strange tone um Mm -hmm. so i think you could either think i just want to say that my feeling is you either think it is twee garbage that -hmm. doesn't work very well and is annoying or you like are in a very strange emotional place (laughs) and uh, it affected you very intensely um i'm not sure which but uh i'm curious to know to know i so you are right i kind of feel a little bit of both okay (laughs) um i think definitely uh for the most part wow twee garbage okay definitely uh just for folks at home if you've never seen this movie if you never heard uh any of these people talk it's kind of uh it's like a drama 
uh, acted out by three different incarnations of Marcel the Shell. One time I nibbled on a piece of cheese and my cholesterol went up to 900. <laughs> Marcel the Shell, I think even more of an obscure reference. <laughs> 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 well, have you ever seen Marcel the Shell? I'll drop in a little clip of it. Guess what I use as a pen? What? I use the, a pen, but it takes the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everybody in this movie talks like Marcel the Shell, and That's it's true, really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, literally every character she, has the same voice. <laughs> well, she does, and the cat does. Yeah. And the, and and the fucking boyfriend talks like Marcel the Shell, and then the old guy does a little bit, but you can tell he's just trying to like stay hip with the rest of the movie, um, right? So yeah, let's so, let's let's go over what it is. Yeah. Um, so Miranda July had a sort of breakout indie cult hit with uh, me and you and everyone we know. Lots of people have probably either heard of it or seen if you're listening to this show you probably heard of it um but that's a sort of like weird people plump it in with like i heart huckabees mm-hmm. wes anderson type shit you know pink covers and helvetica etc yeah and like uh like you're thinking like lettering that's like a it's like a font but then it's like hand written over the font yeah <laughs> yeah exactly very <laughs> a lot cute. of people in um a lot of people in blue-green Heather zip-up hoodies. Mm-hmm, exactly. So Standing in like a fall, breezy uh, <laughs> suburban street saying something kind of deadpan and sad uh-huh. to somebody. Exactly. And then them saying something deadpan and sad back. And so that movie was, I think, you know, a little bit weirder than most of those movies, though. Like, there was a lot of... Uh, like, oh, mean you never gonna know? Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. It Very was, strange movie. <laughs> it's a strange movie, and this movie is no less strange. Um, so this is her second movie and her last movie. Or, or no, she just came out with a movie this year, which mm-hmm. I still haven't watched, um, but I want to. Um, but Miranda July gets a lot of like mockery um, for her sort of weird, very particular brand. Um, but this movie is kind of straightforward in its premise which is to a couple living in los angeles uh they are trying to adopt a cat um and during this sort of like emotionally you know kind of they're they're excited to have a cat they're excited to do something with their lives uh they they sort of or she decides that she needs to do some big project um because the cat is sort of representative of a baby more than anything (laughs) right so what they're what they're adopting is a it's a sick cat it's a cat that is already has renal problems and has a broken leg right and at the beginning of the movie they seem like they're just kind of like doing okay but fairly miserable in their like static lives she teaches kids dance mm-hmm. and he does some sort of like miserable customer service <laughs> at home work from home job yeah and um yeah and so they talk about adopting this cat as sort of like this great thing that they can do with their lives but then they start to realize like oh but if we adopt this cat then we have to be home all the time and we can't do anything fun anymore and mm-hmm. um you know i don't want to you know, we, we only have so much time left before the cat comes home because that's that's part of it is it's like there's this like ticking clock because the cat's leg is broken. And <laughs> right. so they're like, we can't discharge the cat until the cat's leg is good. And um, 
yeah so then they they're like well these last 30 days before the cat comes home we got to make them count and uh so they do some they try to like uh make it count right and so the the Miranda July starts doing this like dance project where she's going to do a dance video every day or something like right. that. She's going to put you, she's jealous of her coworker who has like a couple thousand video uh, views on YouTube doing dances yeah. or whatever. And so she's going to do her own and he decides that he's going to be an environmentalist and go around knocking on doors for people to like, uh, absolutely deranged by the way adopt trees uh, like or something if you're you're doing your like last 30 days of freedom like what am i gonna do you're gonna go work <laughs> for fu- you're gonna be a greenpeace canvasser <laughs> <laughs> yeah um which is a good point i want to come back to it because it is so silly um and so they do these sort of like twee little things uh and then uh she uh, while they are getting the catch he, he buys a painting of a girl done by her father a little drawing um and that it has uh her their phone number on the back and in miranda july sort of like panic attack that she sucks at dancing or whatever she calls she the just phone can't, number like, get up the nerve is the thing she's like right she has this idea of like i'm gonna do something great but then once she's like confronted with the possibility of doing it and she like turns on the camera and she's like, all right, this is it. You're going to do your dance thing now. And then she just like crumbles and like curls up and she can't mm-hmm. do it. And so she decides to get a job with this guy or whatever. Or she just like calls him to just chat. Yeah. Cause she's, she's, uh, she's weird. She's, <laughs> she's a weird, very quirky. <laughs> she's a quirky lady. Uh, and she calls this guy and then ends up having an affair with him. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of changes the movie. Because this guy, and I think this is probably my favorite thing about the movie, is that this guy is not in a quirky movie. Yes, exactly. I love him so much. (laughs) This guy guy owns a signage company where he sits in a office. It's his own office all day. It's a home office, yeah. yeah. And he just makes signs for business events he is an you know sort of aging balding man who like clearly was very handsome at a point and is sort of like wears polos and a gold chain yeah he like carries himself with that sort of energy he's got a daughter he seems to be like living a pretty comfortable middle class life whatever like right. his wife is gone for whatever reason yeah it doesn't matter uh and uh and but he's not in this movie he's in a normal ass movie and she brings her weird flowy self to his thing and Mm -hmm. he's like "Ooh, fun a new toy basically right um and so she confesses to her boyfriend that she cheated on him which causes him to stop time and yeah he has the he has the power to stop time by the way right um and sort of but only for himself (laughs) yeah Um, like not really right whatever it's just a it's a narrative tool at this particular moment right uh and he and so during that the movie sort of changes there where he's like sort of trapped in this limbo of like the night that she tells him uh confesses that to him and then she's sort of off living this weird like trad wife life with marshall the the gold chain man right and uh and he's talking to the moon and he's talking to the moon. And so basically her shirt from her like childhood comes back uh, to haunt her. And uh, basically she realizes that she doesn't want to be with him. And she comes back to him and he sort of like reluctantly thinks that maybe she can stay for one night. And we sort of end there. 
Well, and then no, but then the last the last real key detail here is that this cat that they've you know oh, set oh, yeah, this timestamp on uh, that they're like waiting thirty days before they can get this cat. They got to do all their great things in thirty days. They go to pick up the cat, but they're like a day late, and the cat's dead. Yeah, they kill. They euthanized the cat because both of them were off. You know dealing with their own things right um and so the cat dies and then they sort of meet up because they they both go but at different times to pick up the cat and find out that it has died and uh then they meet up at their apartment and uh, their old apartment and uh it's been a month i guess (laughs) yeah um and then uh and then she's like trying to come back and he's like okay for one night or whatever and it's set up earlier in the film that if they're playing some silly game with each other where they say like what if our minds get erased and we don't remember each other we'll play the song to remind each other and then the song plays unclear if it's uh um diegetic and then that's the end of the film yeah um so so the movie is basically this meditation on uh this particular kind of millennial anxiety and malaise I think mm-hmm. like it's structured around a a a, a breakup uh you know or or a, yeah. a, a, an infidelity but I think it's really more about alienation and being sort of unable to conceive of like the there's a really interesting scene where he's doing this tree thing and i feel like this is sort of the purpose of the tree thing is that the guy's like well what are what are you doing and he says like i don't know it's probably too late for this <laughs> and right. he's like you know the part where like in a cartoon where a wrecking ball like hits a building and like everything kind of like just tings and it like stays there before it falls he's like that's where we are like everything is going to die anyway this is useless um so i think the movie's more about that sort of like dealing with this feeling of uh like is there even a future is there a future for any of us and if there is what are you gonna do and who gives a shit Um, but then at the same time (laughs) i think it's about like I mean, I think it's it's mostly, I would say, like, broadly speaking, it's a meditation on the future as a concept to people. Yeah. Because there is that element of it. But there's also this element of it that you get really early on in the movie where it's this, like, sort of very, it's a very millennial movie. I will say that yeah, for it's sure. Of its time. This is very of its time, <laughs> and it is very about this generation in particular. Uh-huh. Because there's this, like, early on in the movie, you get this real note of, of, like millennial narcissism Mm -hmm. where the two of them are talking about like, you know, we're doing these bullshit little jobs of ours, but we both know that we're like, you know, we're supposed to be doing something great. We're supposed to be out there doing our dreams and living ourselves and, 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 and doing what we're supposed to do, you know, and like, this isn't what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do is this. And then when they finally give themselves permission and drop out and go do the thing that they're supposed to do, it's, you know, she, can't dance and she never does <laughs> yeah and he goes to have a miserable job at greenpeace like mm-hmm. and hates it instantly yeah <laughs> and it's it's just this it's an interesting look at this like this narcissistic idea that our entire generation has i have it we all have it like yeah. where you're like you're like i'm i'm destined for great things like i'm mm-hmm. supposed to do something and and then life goes on and you're like uh maybe i'm meant to have an okay time and a (laughs) podcast that some people listen to (laughs) 
yeah. I mean, and that's the thing about the movie, like the, the scene you're talking about where he says, uh, I thought I'd be smarter. Right. And I, yeah. I also thought I'd be rich eventually. <laughs> and it's like that, that sort of like temporarily embarrassed millionaire thing has become like a meme at this point. But in 2011, right. I think that this was very hitting the nail on the head. Uh, and I think is, is, was very poignant um, and pointed for the time of just being like, the fact is, is that you think you're, you're barely 30 years old <laughs> and you've already seen at once you think that you know everything. Cause there's that really great line where the, the old man that he's been hanging out with says uh, like, cause the young kid, the, the, the boyfriend is like, oh, we didn't really have any trouble in the beginning of our relationship. And he's like, well, you're right in the middle of the beginning. <laughs> cause right. he's like been with his wife for 60 years or yeah. whatever. It's amazing. Um, like the longer you're in relationships for like the more time becomes like, it's, it's like when people are like, oh, we've been dating for like a year. You're like, oh, you're like brand new. Yeah. <laughs> You like just started just dating. Met. <laughs> you, you probably haven't even told them about the things that you are yeah, embarrassed right. well, about. You haven't said. It. Well, you've said <laughs> the ones that are in like your your like okay cupid bio or whatever. <laughs> well, there, there's there's like the there's the okay cupid bio ones which are like not actually secrets, mm -hmm. and then there's the ones that are like at the top of the like you're like in the peat. You're in the, you know, you're yeah, in like yeah. the topsoil. You've dug up a couple of them, and those are the ones that are meant to be dug up. Uh -huh. You know, they're, they're, they're there, they're there to be secrets, but they're there to be secrets that you reveal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. But there's way deeper ones. And you might never tell them those. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so I think that this movie, every time I watch it, it tricks me. Because I'm like, wait, did this movie age really poorly into a twee-like thing? But the movie takes this weird turn where it, like, knows that it's doing that. Mm. And, and like, it treats these people as sort of narcissistic, navel-gazing people right. um, who are just, like, letting their lives pass them by. But then it also doesn't blame them because it's like, well, there's nothing else to do. And right. I don't think that Miranda July actually has very good politics. I mean, I'm not really sure, <laughs> but I think that there's something very particular about this movie that gets at the idea that there's this sort of trap of, of your own making that they're sort of in where it's like they think that just by like doing something wacky is going to like fix something or excite right. them and like that like being unique is itself something to like strive for right. or that like being unique and and your own type of person and whatever is like that makes you interesting you know like there's a uh -huh. great or scene well, i think my favorite shot in the whole movie my favorite scene She's like Miranda July is like in this like t it's the, is it, what is her childhood shirty. shirt? Yeah. She's in the shirt and she like curls herself up inside of it and like closes herself into it completely, and then she like is like stretching it in a weird way and like moving around in this weird like kind of like flowy interpretive dance where like her whole head is like covered by the shirt. It looks insane. She's like yeah. in stretchy fabric dancing, and then uh, the the guy the the marshall. normal guy marshall uh just like comes in the room and sees her doing this and just is like looking at her <laughs> and it's this great moment where you're like that's when you realize like oh they're in different movies yeah. and like he's just trying his best to just 
he's just bearing down and getting through this. <laughs> yeah, it's pussy. <laughs> I mean, that's how he's thinking about it, and it's like yeah, Marshall fucking rules. <laughs> and what he's I got la- the chain, and she's yeah. like, "What did she say?" He's like, "You look like a dirt bag." He's like, she's "Good, like, it's a little, then it works." Yeah, she's like, it, she, "She's like, well, you wear a gold chain," and he's like. You like my chain? She's like, it's a little sleazy. And he's like, well, then it works. It means I'm ready to fuck. (laughs) (laughs) He's so fucking vulgar for being in this, like, otherwise, like, again, everybody talks like ourselves a shell. And then he's just like, good, that means everybody knows that I'm down to fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then she's like, do people know that? And he's like, no, some women just look at it and think it's a guy wearing a chain. (laughs) And she's like am I a woman who knows that it means you're down to fuck? And it's like, I think there's some really interesting stuff in this movie because I, I I think that it, it is almost fed up. Like it's a movie about being fed up with like, it's like, it's a whole movie. That's like, you remember the scene in garden state uh, where Natalie Portman is like, whenever I feel weird, I just do a thing that no one's ever done before. Yeah. 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 Uh, The whole movie is like a, it's like a critique of that scene. It's yeah, like, well, and it's 2011, <laughs> so it is kind of right at the, it would be at the tail end of that. I mean, this even would be a little late for it. Right. And I think, I think that this movie gets a lot of, gets a lot of, well, either no one's heard of it, <laughs> or there's like some flack it gets for being of that kind of era. Um, mm-hmm. And I really think that it sort of, is a commentary on that kind of thing. And if it is of its, I mean, it's very of its time in that the YouTube looks different. They don't have phones. <laughs> like right. it's a, it's a very particular of its era movie, but I, I feel like it's a very particular commentary on that kind of mindset and how empty it is. Um, and how at the end of the movie, they're sort of still dealing with a, these adult problems. It's about people who don't know how to grow up. They're just like stunted. Right. And they're just like, well, I'm still going to be like this high school kid who like, I'll be the coolest if I'm different or whatever. Right. And it's just like a completely empty, useless thing um, that they're still dealing with being alone and not having anybody and letting their like, aspirations for having any responsibility literally die um because they're faced with you know the cats like i said at the beginning sort of represents it can represent i think having a cat but i also feels like it's sort of a metaphor for having a baby or getting married or something yeah, more like i just adult. like i don't yeah i just don't know what like the death is supposed to be there where it's like oh you waited too long like it's because i guess maybe i was thinking of it too literally in times where like mm-hmm when you were talking about like the emotional, you know, weird place, what was weird for me in this movie is two things, right? Is, uh, I mean, obviously the, the obvious one is that I, I have a child yeah. and, uh, but we're in a weird place with that right now where like, you know, we just counting down the days. It's like, he's at yeah. a hospital and like, I don't know when, <laughs> when that part of it is over. And, um, so there is this weird feeling of like, being in this time space where you're like, it's any day now, my life is going to completely, like yeah. my life's already <laughs> completely changed, but then uh-huh. my life is going to completely change in a totally different way in, mm-hmm. in maybe a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month. Don't really know. Mm-hmm. Have absolutely no idea what next year <laughs> is going to be like in my life. No clue. Um, so there is kind of that weird feeling of like being in that space of it's on the horizon, but not quite. Yeah. Um, 
And then also the weird, the other weird thing is that the cat is sick, and I have a sick cat who has you know renal problems, <laughs> oh, yeah. and they're <laughs> and they are explaining to them at the beginning that you're gonna have to like do his fluids every day, and that is what I do every day. I put a needle in my cat and I give him you know hundred cc's oh, of I totally uh, forgot. Ringers. Yeah. Um, so it is a weirdly like personal <laughs> situation for me with this movie. Uh, and so that's why maybe like at the end when, you know, the cat just dies and they don't get to get the cat, I'm like, but then, so was she pregnant in them like in this right. or like, was it just, should we have a baby? But then it's like, why is there a ticking clock? Is it that, are you like looking at your, uh, like fertility like yeah, is that yeah. what it maybe is yeah i'm not really i mean I, I think what i like about this movie is how she sort of thinks about things so like okay so the time stopping thing right mm-hmm. like that whole long sequence of like him sort of like dealing with like when am i going to release the time and oh no i'm stuck in this moment or whatever like is all just a metaphor for him not dealing with it you know, right. like he's basically his life is like unable to move from that. And like another movie would just like have like maybe like a time lapse montage of him being sad or like, mm-hmm. you know, or like him having a conversation with his dumb friend being like, ah, oh, fuck that girl. Like, and he's just like, oh, I'm sad. I'm eating this bowl of oatmeal or whatever. Like <laughs> there's these tropes that happen to like get at these emotions uh, that generally fail for me. And I think what's what I love about Miranda July is that she's able to sort of make these concepts that are like these metaphors that aren't really on the nose, but almost are more emotional. And like you experience them as like, oh, he's like literally trapped in in time and like we get to watch that play out and you get to see more of like him dealing with something as a scene rather than just like these sort of tropes of of you know normal films and i for me that works a lot better like i think the release of him like literally making the tides continue like works as an emotional release rather than just right. him like seeing another girl or you know whatever yeah. like, another movie would have done uh, what was it in um fucking 500 days of summer when he meets <laughs> oh, yeah. the girl named like fall or whatever <laughs> oh my god that's what i'm saying like there's so many worse ways to do this and i think this movie is really clever by introducing like her like obvious tie to her own childhood and like her her own like little like thing of comfort which is a shirt called that she calls mm-hmm. shirty that's literally crawling back <laughs> down the street <laughs> and like sneaking into the the uh the the man the gold chain man's house um like that kind of those kinds of images really excite me and surprise me uh when i saw them for the first time and i think they really work as like these visual ways of showing catharsis and emotion um like you said the dancing scene where she's just like fuck this like trad wife life i can't do it i'm gonna like dance in my childhood shirt and it looks insane (laughs) and he's just like and it's funny because his like perception of that we don't know if he's just like you're a weird freak or if it's like representative of like oh you miss your boyfriend in your old life and you're gonna leave and so he's sad and walks away right um it can go either way and i think it's okay to process them either way so i kind of like it i don't really for me it always felt really kind of sad and and weird that the cat dies i totally agree the cat dying is just like 
why though? Yeah, but, then what did it represent, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, that one never felt right to me, but... I mean, I guess it's like, it's the idea of like the future that you always say is coming, but then if you wait too long, it's like if you keep it, it less literal, then it's like, you know, it's it's the idea of like pushing things off for tomorrow and, and eventually tomorrow's not going to come, right? Right. And, you know, I always think of uh, this relationship that I had in college where... Um, things, things had gotten like pretty bad at some point and mm-hmm. like, we weren't really happy, neither of us. And I feel like there was a while we were like at different schools and there was oh, a God, while where distance? I like chalked it up to like long distance. And I was like, oh yeah, man, it's just like long distance. It really sucks, man. And like, <laughs> it's hard someday, stuff. like when we, when, when, when college is done and we're in the same place again, it's going to be everything's going to be great. And you just keep saying that and you keep saying like in the future, it's going to be good in the future. It's going to be good. And then you get to the future and it's like, Oh no, we just don't like each other. (laughs) This sucks. And I've wasted all this time. Wasted all this time thinking about this and like dreaming about this future. And then, uh, it sucks actually. Yeah. And And that's what the cat is saying too, right? Is the cat at the end is like, you know, it's like maybe they should have never come to get like I, I liked that they never came to get me and that I got to just like wait. look forward to that day forever. Yeah, you let know? me wait forever, um, which is sad. And I like the cat. It's sad. <laughs> uh, it's sad. It's but it's got a very it's the worst voice in the movie for sure. <laughs> uh, and I, I think that that's totally fair. It doesn't annoy me, but I, I, I get it. <laughs> um, so. So, yeah, I think I think that there might be people who look at this movie and, and think it's like either weird for the sake of weird or like, you know, just too like, Oh, I'm trying to be XD random or whatever. But I think the choice is like I said, with the shirt and the moon and the time stopping and, uh, the cat, like, I think they're all deliberate choices and I think they are visually very interesting. Um, and you don't really see, I mean, it's not as, I don't think it's as pristine as like a movie like you, the living mm-hmm. where that movie is like very conceptual. Um, right. But I think for a movie about like being afraid of, of the world sort of moving on without you. And like this, again, like I said, this very particular kind of mindset that millennials grew up with of like, you have to make your life mean something. And if you don't accomplish some level of productivity or invention, then your life is meaningless. Right. Uh, I think it really, for me at least, is one of the best movie, or it's the only movie I know of that even tries to hit that on the head, but it succeeds really intensely yeah. for me. I think it's very successful at that. I think I still probably wouldn't recommend it mm-hmm. um, just because I do think it's too annoying. Uh, it's too <laughs> annoying. It's really too annoying. Um, I think if they reshot it, I think they could do like a funny games type of thing where they just do like a shot for shot, <laughs> just remake it. Same director, get Miranda back. Like, uh-huh. don't, you know, don't fuck around with that. Just get a different actor, just a different actor than her and like have people talk like normal people talk. <laughs> I, well, uh, I, I will say, and I, I think that's totally fine, but I, <laughs> I will say that I think that the the kind the way they talk to each other I've never been in a relationship where they do that kind of thing but I do think like the sort of in joke 
thing of relationships where there's no explanation for their weirdness Mm -hmm. like really works for me because it it, absolutely i'm strictly saying that the the line reads are bad like that's what's bad here (laughs) oh it's not even bad acting i think they're actually really effectively like conveying the emotion and like guiding you through the story it's like it's just like the smashing pumpkins you know it's like (laughs) when you listen to smashing pumpkins and you're like everything here is so on point billy why (laughs) (laughs) oh i love the smashing pumpkins (laughs) (laughs) but billy's billy's voice is the worst part of the smashing pumpkins i guess that's true it's sort of inextricable for me and i guess i feel that way about this movie sure exactly i mean they're not going to remake this with a nice voice (laughs) they're not going to like remake smashing pumpkins but the point is that there's always like one failing point and in this case it is it is for sure her voice and the fact that she clearly directed her boyfriend to talk exactly like her right and look like her that part yeah. always like weirded me out because they like he has the same hair mm-hmm. and like body shape as her and like it's a little weird yeah uh, truly bizarre stuff it's, here it's a bizarre movie uh but i really like it i think um i think that despite it being of its time um and being uh sort of having the sort of aesthetic uh, of a twee sort of surface. I think because I really think the, I think the criticism of that stuff is that it's surface level aesthetic bullshit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like a movie like 500 Days of Summer is a bad movie, whether it had, it's a, you know, hipster twee movie or not. It's a bad story and it's, poorly made but i think that this movie is a good movie that just has like an aesthetic um, i think that that's a critique of that hipster tweet aesthetic but i think that an additional uh valid um (laughs) critique of it is that it is just grading it's it's Uh a grading style that like once once you're out of that time period like i feel like we were so immersed in it at the time that it didn't feel that way Mm-hmm. And you were just like, well, this is just how art is, you know. <laughs> but now that we're like removed from it and we don't have to see it anymore, it well, definitely it, like it. It just feels like it's like uh, it feels similar to like when you look back at um like hair in the eighties, and you're just like, if I mm-hmm. lived in the eighties, I'd be like, cool hair. But now <laughs> you look at it and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I feel like. Uh, most things haven't escaped that criticism of the put a bird on it aesthetic, but mm-hmm. like Wes Anderson did. Because Wes Anderson, well, I mean, well, first of all, because he's he's more like of an innovator in that space. I uh-huh. think he like defined a lot of that aesthetic, so it like feels a little more like he can come out the other end of it, and you're just like, okay, well, everybody was jacking him for a little while, right? And he keeps doing it because it's him. And and he changes his style. You know, like, he yeah. definitely, you know, it's always distinctly him. And it's always, you know, in that same vein. But I mean, like, you know, at this point in this era that we're talking about, like, you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox hadn't really been a thought yet. Mm-hmm. Like, just the fact that he at some point was just like, oh, I'm going to make an animated movie. <laughs> yeah. That on, on its own is like, oh, yeah, you're school's better than any of these fucking jokers. <laughs> yeah. Zach Braff. <laughs> For me, I think that like at the time this was a jump. I think I think Marin mm-hmm. July 
for me, like transcends some of that stuff just because, it, yes, it's, you know, a, a little annoying and she's like a very weird person. But like for me, it's, it's, it's of a lineage of like magical realism. Uh, and I really like that stuff generally because I like things to sort of be shown to me emotionally rather than just told to me all the time. And right. so I like it. And I think that even though it has some like Wes Anderson rip offy like framings and the text and stuff like, uh, it works for me. So I would recommend it still. Um, but yeah, I guess you split ha- opinion. You have to f- finally. <laughs> yeah, I think this might be the first one. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like we've we've at least once or twice disagreed. I can't remember though. Yeah, but usually Tell they're like the uh, <laughs> usually they're like a jokey sort of like uh, like an in, you know playing indignant. I think this is the first one that we genuinely are just like. I think we just don't see eye to eye on this. One. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a different thing, and I think it's. It's very particular, and I and I think that you should definitely take heed Jeremy's warning that if you're not going to be able to handle like a lady talking like this, like the, this, like for like twenty percent of the movie, the whole movie, not it's a hundred percent. It's the whole time. It's mostly just the cat. Anyway, <laughs> if you can't handle that. This movie will probably just frustrate you, but I do think there's a lot if you're if you're interested in like magical realism and thinking about, uh, you know, the sort of malaise of the early two thousands. I think that this really works. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for listening to Generation Loss. This has been the show. Uh, if you'd like to hear more of our shows, you can hear my show. It's called BP Bledis. You can follow that at WeedPod. You can hear Jeremy's other show, uh, Ballin' Out Super. Uh, you can follow me at Kinematography and Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder. And follow him on YouTube, Jeremy Thunder. Um, also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash generation loss. Um, you can get access to the discord there and a bonus episode and on the discord we'll show you the movie on the sunday before the episode comes out so that'll be fun and we'll hang out with you there and until then we'll see you next time see you next time bye Fresh kid turn rotten. I can't believe how naive that I've gotten. Over the years, seems like I'm getting dumber. Reminiscing to a time when I was younger with a hunker. Full of dreams, determination, self esteem. But now it seems they hesitate to be on my team. You know the routine. When you win and they grant it, all up in your face like they was with you from the beginning. But on the flip side, when you watch the black of real time, fools climb by you slipped and let shit slide. Beside the fact, my voice is whack. Clowns is running around talking about a smoke crack. Ain't got no homies that got my back. Yeah, I'm a brother, but sometimes I don't feel black. My girl is white, my game ain't tight. Niggas who ain't seen me in a while be like, dude, you alright? Who am I kidding? Who am I fooling when they be like, what's up, fat lip? And I say, coolin'. Who am I kidding? Who am I fooling when they be like, what's up, fat lip? And I say, coolin'. Who am I kidding? Who am I fooling when they be like, what's up, fat lip? And I say, coolin'. Who am I kidding? Who am I fooling when they be like, Like a sucker almost every day In the back of your mind You probably thinking I was gay But nah, I'm just a bitch ass nigga The 
type to get jacked if I'm the rich ass nigga. See, I've been a loser just about of my life. Type to tryna turn a hoe to a housewife. What do you expect? I give respect and feel for hoes. Niggas keep in check. I'm far from hard, emotionally scarred. I'm Pico Boulevard, I was regarded as a retard. I make myself sick, get on my own nerves. Immature, insecure, grown up nerds. Half MC on a label that's unstable. Chopping Bliggy on the table. Who am I kidding? Who am I fooling? When they be like, what's up, fat lip? And I said, cool them. Who am I kidding? Who am I fooling? When they be like, what's up, fat lip? And I said, cool them. Who am I kidding? Who am I fooling? When they be like, what's up, fat lip? And I said, cool them. Who am I kidding? Who am I fooling? When they be like, what's up, fat lip? Hey, man. Yeah, man, what's up? 